preservation of our soul shine I can feel it yours and mine close your eyes and witness it inside in your bones you will know trust and let go All Things in the Name of Love, Episode 22, Vulnerability and How Important Acceptance is in Relationships with Melissa Keenan. Melissa is a master self-expression and intimacy coach and mompreneur with four children. She helps those who are disconnected in their relationships to discover new levels of intimacy or into me I love that. Melissa has helped crumbling marriages become yoked and strong, including her own. In 2013, she and her husband, CJ, were dangling by a thread with three tiny kids. Together, they slayed their own dragons so that they could experience a deeply fulfilling marriage and connection that they didn't even know existed. She now coaches women and married couples all over the country. When Melissa isn't nurturing the marriages and souls of her clients, you can find her doing yoga to find sanity. Did we mention she has four kids? Or outside playing with her family on their hobby ranch in northern Nevada. Melissa, it is such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Wow. Okay, so you set this up. What was the trigger in 2013 that made you realize that you and your husband both needed to go in and find yourselves to create a deeper meaning for yourselves and the relationship? Well, you set that question up in such a noble way. But to be honest, my husband came to me and confessed that he had had a secret addiction, that there were lots of lies and betrayal for the whole first five years of marriage. And so we separated for six months. That's what happened. Wow. And in that separation, my my youngest was only two months old. And (sighs) so it was uh it was hell. Yeah. (laughs) That's the birthplace of everything. Yeah. Wow. Well, how did what what did you how did you navigate that? You know, it was interesting because he he actually shared uh, his addiction with me a few months before I asked him to move out. And it took several months for me to face the music. Mm-hmm. I was I was running really strong in perfectionism and mm-hmm. just trying to to prove myself, I think, to the world with my family. It was like I had a really broken childhood, so it was like, look at my, look at my beautiful family, look at my beautiful children, and um, and and see how I made something for myself. And so, and so when he came to me with this, I was like all positive, like we can, we can face this. This is not a big deal. And I was just not facing it at all. And in that conversation, he promised me no more lies, which I still hadn't even really let it sink in that. If he had had a secret addiction, that meant there were five years of lies. That was, you know, yeah. lots of lies. I hadn't even let that sink in yet. But as that sunk in, there came a moment when I discovered a new lie. 
after he had swore there would be no more lies. And I, I know, and it, and it hit like hard and it was insane because I found out the day before his birthday and I prayed and deliberated for about 24 hours about what to do, knowing that we had this birthday date planned for him the next day. Mm. And I was like, just begging God, like, if there's some way that I can just pretend for one more day, so I don't have to ruin his birthday. But it was like, there's no way everything inside oh. of me was like pointing to the fact that I needed to ask him to move out. And so on his birthday, instead of going on a date, I asked him to stop at a park and told him I needed to talk to him and asked him to move out. Wow. And, and, and in true addiction um, fashion, he said, okay, I'll start looking for something. And I said, no, I mean like tonight, like you wow. got And so he did. And it was, it was hell. And I, uh, I had no more opportunity to pretend to anyone, anything, because he wasn't even living in our home anymore. So it was just like, well, here we are. This is so broken. And everything that I had put like all my eggs into this basket of of Mm -hmm. he and I conquering the world together and and that was all up in the air at that point. And so I just cried. I call that six months, the time that I cried on my bathroom floor for six months because mm. it, it's such a blur. I, I can remember one day when it was like two o'clock in the afternoon and I hadn't fed any of us. And my four-year-old, we're all just like plugged in front of the TV, watching cartoons all day. And my four-year-old was like, you know, I'm hungry, mom. I think I'm going to make peanut butter and jelly. And she got up and made lunch for all of us. Me, oh, wow. Other two kids. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, I wanted to cry and hide <laughs> in shame so bad. And instead I thought, well, I can either celebrate her or I can cry and hide in shame. So I took a picture and posted it on social media of how proud mm. I was of my four-year-old. <laughs> That's awesome. That mm-hmm. is so beautiful. Because mm-hmm. you're you're choosing, you make that choice of how you're going to respond. And that's that I'm going to guess was probably this the beginning of your journey. Mm-hmm. Because when you you make that conscious switch, which is a hard thing because you're in your subconscious 90% of the time and all of a sudden you have this awareness just whack you upside the head say hey here's a choice yeah and that's that's just so beautiful so from that place i'm guessing things started shifting it was a really slow slow process for us for me and for my husband but but yes like at the time i couldn't see it at all but mm-hmm. hindsight that absolutely was the birthplace of really of me finding, finding out who I really am when there was nothing left to prove or pretend or hustle for. And it was just me in the brokenness. It was just like, okay, what do I do now? And I really relied on my faith a lot. And those, there was so many still moments in that. I just had these tiny little kids 
you know, and I was a stay at home mom and I just had so much time to face what we were experiencing. Yeah. That's when it felt like I had all these rocks in place and all of a sudden like the sand started to settle and it was like, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing to prove. I'm still living. My heart is still beating. Life still goes on. These kids' faces are still so friggin' beautiful and amazing. And like, I could still laugh with them, even though I feel like everything's crashing down around me. So that's where I feel like the divine really started to teach me who I really am and the value of this human life. Yeah. And, and sadly, it happens usually during tragedy. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, because we're, we're stripped of all of the conditioning that we've had. Yeah. And it becomes this, and it's not a, it's not a one-off. I mean, I know I'm, I'm constantly peeling off new layers and I've gotten to the point where I, I show up with people and I'm me. I'm not like a version of me because I don't know where those versions are anymore. Yeah. Because I've just shed so many layers of who I was to make other people happy that I don't know who that, like, I really don't know who they are anymore. Those beings that I was trying to be that I'm not. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that I've lost some people in the process and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been able to navigate that? Uh, like how, how did this all unfold? How did you get back to that space where you and CJ came together as more authentic versions of yourself? Yeah. You know, that was really the name of the game. Like I demanded honesty, probably in a very toxic way um, <laughs> to start out, you know, but it was just like, look, buddy, if we're going to have any kind of relationship, it's like honesty. That's it. Mm -hmm. So, so, and we had, we had probably at least a dozen big crash and burns of trying to come back together before it started to actually stick. <laughs> <laughs> but gosh, you know, and it was, it was horrifying, the addiction and the, and actually to the point where I was diagnosed with PTSD. Oh, wow because of the extent of the betrayal it was just, um, oh. it felt like I didn't even know the man in my own home, my own, you know, father of my children, this man that I married. And, and I felt like I was always facing the decision of, is he the good person that I think he is? Or is he this horrible monster that it mm. seems like he is, that I've learned that he is. And, and so it, it's fascinating because as I, started to let go of those layers within myself and stop judging myself as good or bad. Mm -hmm. I started to be able to also see him as a whole being with mm. good parts and bad parts, light and darkness. Like his, his weaknesses were now so present to me mm -hmm. and my weaknesses were also so, so present to me. I mean, it was so painful and yet like we found this, this beauty in being like, wow, you know, you said a lot of things that really suck, that really hurt me. And I still love you. Like, how is that? We just expanded like intensely 
you know, because I mean, when you're young and you're like, I'm out to tackle the world and I'm going to marry this, you know, knight in shining armor. And he felt the same way about me. He had me on such a pedestal. We both were like, great, we're going to marry each other because we're both perfect and we're going to live happily ever after. And it's going to be perfect. <laughs> you know, so I mean, what a healing thing to finally be like, wow, you're very broken. And so am I. And I think I can learn to love you again. And it's a deeper, it's a, it's so much more palpable, tangible, significant when you can love someone in their, in their beautiful moments and in their really ugly moments. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, like, it took a lot of tears together. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I stand in awe of my husband for being willing to show up in that way. Cause every day he had to choose if he really wanted this marriage or not. I did too, mm -hmm. but I think men, especially this society, the messages don't show any weakness, you know? Right. And our marriage would have been destroyed if he had lived up to that motto that he, that he lived up to for so long. Because I needed to see that there was a tender human being inside of there mm -hmm. that I could love. So, wow. Oh. yeah, so we came, so we did, we came, well, we, he moved back in after six months and then it was about two and a half years of like trying to get it, get it figured out. Ironing, lots of ironing. He moved out again. I think it was about a year later for a month. Okay. Um, again, still, I mean, honestly, for about two and a half years, we were both still trying to decide if this was really what we wanted. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was so intense. And, oh yeah. Uh huh. But in that, oh my gosh, just so, so many beautiful, I used to say, this is the one trial I will never say. I'm so grateful that this happened. <laughs> Side to like, wow, I'm grateful that happened. I can see wisdom in that thing. But I was always like, this is the thing. There's no way. And then, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. If I had to do this over again, because of the gifts we received. Mm, yeah. That's so beautiful because that's such, you know, learning. I had a relationship in my 20s with my ex that was really toxic. And I didn't have the skill sets, tools, or interest in fixing it. And so when I got together with my partner, I was in a different space. And he and I put together this one rule of acceptance. Like we can do whatever it is with the lens of acceptance. And we didn't know what that meant other than we'd both come from relationships that were dysfunctional and we just didn't want to do that with each other. So it's been such a powerful unfolding of, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go on this massive spiritual journey now to find out who I am because I repressed myself emotionally for 40 something years yeah. to, to allowing myself to have this more authentic version of myself. And he still loves me. Mm. He doesn't always agree with me. And he doesn't have to. Right. And that's just, I would love for more people to get to that space where you open yourself up to you so that you can be who you are 
and not what everyone else thinks you are. Mm -hmm. Is that something you help your clients with, mm -hmm. like that digging? Yeah, and you mentioned that um, in, in the bio that you read, where that is my deepest message at, at its core, is intimacy is into me see. Mm -hmm. And it starts with self. Uh, and that's something we had to learn over and over and over and over is we would try to come together too soon before we had really done the work internally. Mm -hmm. I had to be able to see into me and fully accept me before I can turn around and show myself to anyone else or expect anyone else to see into me. And definitely before I have the capacity, like literally we do not have the capacity to see into another human being if we are not doing that with ourselves mm -hmm. um, and shedding some of those layers. And that's been the greatest gift. Uh, I also know that uh, for us, we had kind of a, a similar thing, a one rule that, that brought us back every time, which was connection, mm. like connection above all else. So if something was getting in the way of us being able to connect, then we did whatever we needed to, to work through that. And that, so we found like honesty is very important. The ability to honestly express your feelings was very important. And, but even, even in, for instance, physical intimacy, and we find ourselves often in these situations where a wife will feel like I have to say yes. That's my duty. Well, actually, that's not letting him see into you. If you have uh, walls of reserve and you're, not, and you're not showing those and you're just saying yes, then there's no way he can see into you. So then you feel broken, like the marriage is hollow, disconnected. He doesn't really value me, et cetera, et cetera. But you're playing a role in that because you're not allowing him to deeply see into you. To just be able to say, I can't right now. And I don't even know why. Can you sit down and explore this with me? I want to connect with you, but I don't know. I don't know how right now. I can't do that physically. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, we had to explore so much of that and explore the, what that was, what led me to recognizing that deep self-expression was the key to the intimacy I was seeking. Mm -hmm. The fact that if I can't, I can't show up. I, there's no way I can connect if I can't fully show up. That is so powerful. And it's such, it's something that we don't, we don't have much of opportunity to do in our culture right now because we have so many distractions. Mm, so true. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of my, my new goals, because I love to challenge myself regularly is I haven't succeeded yet an hour on my phone a day. That's mm. it. Mm -hmm. because I have so many things I want to do that don't require my phone. And right. the, the phone is, the phone is an addiction. And, and when I'm on it, I feel the disconnection kick in. So it's like, okay, I have to, I know I'm addicted and well, what if, no, I don't need this. I don't mm -hmm. need this because I want to be, like I have a keyboard. I want to practice it every day. What's more important, checking my social media feed or playing my piano so I can actually play, let, let my soul express itself? Mm, I love that. You know, and that's a great point that you bring up because it brings up the question, okay, if 
if this is obvious that we have to, you know, shed our walls. I mean, some of the things I'm saying are cliche. Like we hear them in songs and stuff like that. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, bear your soul, whatever, all these things. And it's like, okay, if we know this, why don't we do it? And it's, it's because it takes work. Mm-hmm. There's pain that we probably don't know how to deal with. And so we love the numbing effect of our cell phones and we love the numbing effect of the bachelor on TV or the Netflix binge, or, you know, even to the extreme of drugs or alcohol, or, you know, some of these things we want to be numb because like stuff hurts and we don't know what in the heck to do with it. Yeah. Honestly, that is, I would say at the most basic level, that's where coaching comes in. It's like, let's look at this. Let's look at where you're, where you're hurting, where you're hiding why you feel like you need to hide and how you can learn to support yourself so you don't have to hide anymore. Yeah, I, I met you through, I don't remember where I met you through, but you sent me um, an inner child worksheet. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. And yeah. I, I've done inner child work for several years because that's where most of the hurt is. And I've had some experiences where I've just been brought to my knees with the pain of my child, I, like I had, um, so one of the things I do as a modality to heal myself is something called body talk, which gets into your subconscious, which mm-hmm. is awesome because your subconscious rules 90% of your actions. Right. And one thing that we came across was when I was in utero, I had a twin for a very short period of time, so short that my mom didn't even know she was carrying it. I knew. I've been carrying the guilt of my twin not being with me for my entire life. Wow. Yeah. And so I felt that. I felt it. And through the body talk session, we've been able to heal my subconscious. But like even know, like knowing how deep it can go back, because I've gone down to my infant, I've gone, yeah. and I've felt I've I've been in double over pain crying from from the experience that lasts about 90 seconds. Right, right. Well, and I think that, you know, that's, there's merit to, to looking into that because even if you're like thinking, well, I didn't have such a bad childhood. And I, I get that from people a lot of times. Like, uh, I've got great parents and we do, you know, some of us had, had a great childhood. Some of us had what, uh, what an outsider would say is a horrible childhood. But ultimately, all of us relate with pain in our childhood because when you were born, you were open to all of possibility in relationships and in your potential. Everything is possible. And, you know, you think about a baby or a toddler that you know, they're in constant discovery and exploration and play. And when something is upsetting to them, they have a need or they're feeling a feeling, they just feel it, it goes through like lightning and then they move on. Mm-hmm. But as things happen in our lives, we're constantly trying to survive. That is our job as a baby is do whatever I can in my ability to survive. And so we're constantly looking for how can I survive? So little things will happen and we start to make those things mean certain things about us so that we can survive. And, and everyone, everyone has this. No, you know, there is no exception <laughs> to mm-hmm. these things. So, so the next thing you know, you have a lot of 
feelings that are are hard a lot of beliefs that you created a lot of decisions that you subconsciously made as a child that you didn't know how to handle you didn't know how to feel even as a conscious parent now and i'm raising my four kids and you know i want them to certainly experience the least amount of pain as possible get the least amount of you know limiting beliefs in their childhood and stuff like that and yet i see them making decisions and making uh, things mean things based on their survival, like regardless of what I do. When you're in this little tiny body and you have a limited mental capacity, you don't have the ability to fully process everything that you're going through. Even if I give them all the tools, (laughs) you know, I can't, I can't like, uh, they're not going to be immune to that. So when we go back to our child, our, our childhood self, and we give ourselves permission to feel some things, we tap in. I mean, it's fascinating. And you know, because you've done this body talk work, but you tap into your body and you can identify the pain in your body. That's because when you very first felt that emotion as a child, that emotion and the pain that came with it got stuck in your body. So you relate to that pain again. You let yourself feel it as an adult. And finally, you can release some of that, some of that emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And you can process that in a way that you weren't able to when you were a kid. And it's you, powerful, really powerful work. And then you don't have to carry it anymore. Yep. Which is like such a radical concept of, oh, well, I had this, this limiting perception of myself. I'm trying to think of one that I could give. Oh, here's a good one. I'm a horrible dancer. Okay, that, that was a belief I had. Because when I was four, I took ballet, like I was in the ballet class. And when we had the recital, I did the exact opposite of everyone else. And the entire audience laughed and the instructor didn't invite me back. And I lost all my dancing friends. And I just thought I was a horrible dancer. Well, no, no, I wasn't. I was scared. But for X years, I thought, I don't have any coordination. No, I'm awful. Because I had this perception based on this losing all my friends and not being invited back that I can't dance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great and such a, like a lighthearted, but great example. Cause I would guess that when you went back and did that work, there's probably some feeling of feelings. Oh yeah. And then oh, yeah. compassion for that sweet girl who just had a mistake that had this thing. And then the liberation, right? After that, that comes. So what do you do now in your dancing? So um, I had the opportunity to go to an Indian wedding a couple months ago, and I was watching how my friend's friends were dancing. And she was so present in her body to this beautiful Bali music, like it was a Bollywood dance. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. I'm just watching her. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm from New England. We don't dance like that. And, and I want to dance like that. So I downloaded a whole bunch of Indian folk songs and I just, ah! <laughs> I just started slowing myself down because that's one thing that I, you know, you, you can dance slowly. Who knew, right? Well, I'm just slowing down and I'm just letting my heart dance to the music and I'm just watching my hands move slowly because that's what they want to do. Sometimes I'll just shut my eyes and dance because I just want to feel it. And I've noticed that when I play 
Western music now, I'm feeling it. Mm. Wow. I just love that. And I mean, I think that's such a great example of how we get to create our lives. Like you, you doing just that little bit of facing the pain, something that, that maybe felt so painful. You thought you might never face it. Right. Do that little facing. It's never as bad as we think it is. I don't care what kind of pain you're facing. It's never as all consuming as you think it is. Mm -hmm. Whether that's huge traumas down to you know, simple things that we experience, but you do that. And then comes the ability for all possibility in your life. So you can do whatever you want with dance. You could become a professional dancer if you wanted to. Right. I could. You don't want to, but you (laughs) use your body now. Right. You felt limited before. Right. And that, that, that's for anything. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's just this, because we forget that we're we live in bodies but we're souls Mm -hmm. and souls aren't limited to three dimensions Mm -hmm. and when we connect with that if you want to call it god source divinity whatever term you use what you can feel it like if you allow yourself to not get distracted and be in the quiet like you had lots of time to have quiet moments i'm sure you felt an energy mm-hmm. that isn't you but it is like it's 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 more than you even though it is you and that's where the possibility comes in mm-hmm. yeah i love that and that's and that's exactly right and so so many times i think when i was in the darkness that is where that is where the hope was was feeling that. But what's so amazing is no matter what circumstances we're going through in our lives, if we take the time to really just get still and seek for that feeling, we can access it. Anyone can access it. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a gift. I think for me, it's felt like different things at different times. When I first started really going through this journey, I just wanted to experience approval. And that's why I was doing all the hustling I was doing anyway. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, okay, if I can't get the approval that I was seeking for before from all the hustling and perfecting and et cetera, I just want to know that somewhere out there in the universe, God is approving of me. And I would ask mm. for that. Do you approve? I would just ask and place mm-hmm. my hands on my heart. And I would feel like, yeah. I approve. Like you're perfect just as you are. You are whole just as you are. That's so beautiful. I think it feels different for everyone. Sometimes it's that vast like connectedness to all that's around you, to all that's living. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it's just that still like a piece or an enveloping, almost like a blanket. Mm -hmm. But it's there. there, I can can feel the difference because when I go to my garden... I talk to the bees, I talk to the trees, I talk to the hummingbirds, and I feel like I'm part of something bigger than me. Mm. And that's a, that is a, it's a, it's a different energy because it's not that stillness because I'm feeling the activity, but it's, it's, it's that love and that, that I see you Mm. all that is. And, and that I'm part of that. And that's a beautiful experience. And when I meditate and I have that quiet 
peaceful love, it's a it's another angle of the same love, kind of like a kaleidoscope. Yeah. You shift it. Because it's the same love, it's just a different way of looking or feeling it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, sir, you know, to circle back around to to marriage and, and intimacy and that, yeah. that it does, it all starts here with us. And mm-hmm. and and I I found that the more I sought after that feeling, that peace and that stillness and that inner knowing of who I am mm-hmm. the more that I was able to see my husband and draw closer to him mm. you know hurts that were there were able to be healed and mended and I mean it took a lot of work as well because we didn't know how to communicate with each other we yeah. didn't know how to exist in a new way but we both have said it feels like we're in a new marriage except for to the same people, except for not. Right, right. <laughs> not, you're not. We're not the same people, but it almost feels like we went through a divorce and a remarriage, oh. but it's so different, so different. And, I, and so it's just become my passion to allow other people to experience this. I, I think just that I, as we were trying to rebuild we really sat down with like notebook and paper and said, who has the kind of marriage that we want? Mm. And it was like, I don't know. Wow. I don't know who, who does have the kind of marriage that we want. We couldn't find it. Wow. Yeah. And, and so, and I think that that is the case It is very rare. And, you know, of course, divorce rates and et cetera, et cetera. But, but man, like, we can have an amazing marriage and we can have an incredible life if we choose to do the work. Right. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And, and the fact that your, your husband was willing to open himself up to be vulnerable with you is amazing. You know, and it is. And, And I also know that that part of that was my doing. And what I mean by that is that I had to show my husband that it was safe for him to be him. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, as women, we're like, we carry the same sorts of beliefs about, I know for me, I felt like I needed to be, have my guard up, have my walls up in order to survive. Mm -hmm. But I think in a very similar way, men experience the same thing. And then when we get into a relationship with our men, we just continually reaffirm that to them. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get off your white horse. I get that from Brene Brown. She talks about how many men she's interviewed who feel so much pressure to stay on their white horse. <laughs> so in order for, for me to show my husband that I would still deeply love and accept him, even in his most vulnerable parts, it took a lot of work. And he also tested me. So it was like, you know, when I made this decision, like, look, I'm in this, I'm in this for good. And we're doing this. And I've seen all your dragons now, like, you know, let's do this together. He was like, Oh, really? You know, are you sure? I remember one night, uh, we went out to this fancy restaurant for dinner. And it was like, we had had this gift card for over a year. We had been trying to make it work and you had to make reservations a certain amount of time in advance. It was just one of those ordeals, right? And we finally went out to this restaurant. 
oh, oh, also, it's the place where we had our, like, our wedding reception dinner. Oh, nice. Very special restaurant for us. And I'm, like, all, I'm all geared up. I'm, like, yeah, you know, I'm feeling good about this marriage, and we're actually, like, making things work, and we're gonna go, and we're gonna, like, try and remember the good parts about our marriage, and, you know, this dinner that we had on our, on our wedding night, and everything. And something came up. I had no idea what the issue even was, but we were so committed to connection and being true to ourselves, honoring ourselves that I said, are you sure you even want to like go through with the rest of our plans for the evening? And, and it took so much for him to say, no, I don't. I was so devastated. I was just like, we ended up boxing up our food and taking it home. We didn't even eat at the restaurant. And we went home and I said, do you want to talk about it? And he said, no, I can't. I can't talk about it right now. And we sat together in silence for like three hours while the kids were at the babysitters. While I sat there with him and I said, can I, I said, do you want me to leave? You know, do you need space? Or do you want me to stay here with you? And he was like, I want you to stay with me, but I don't want to have to talk about it. And so he was testing me like crazy. Cause you know, inside I'm more like, what the heck? Like, this is not fair. And how can you be like this? And I'm hurt and I feel so rejected and on and on. Right. 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 But I was like, okay, like I'm committed. And if this is what you need, I can sit here in this space with you. Wow. That's what we did. And, you know, eventually he, so it was like in this space where he's earning my trust back. I also had to earn his trust. Yeah. That he could be himself. He could fall off his white horse. He could cry in front of me or he could come to me and say like I have no idea how we're going to pay rent next month or he could you know come to me in his weakness and say I think I want to quit my job I'm not fulfilled there or you know all these things that we go through and immediately usually we just jump into a fight about it like how dare you it's a betrayal everything's a betrayal instead of just seeing like there's a scared person behind this statement and I can hold space for that Mm. Other, we can we can do anything. We can face anything. Oh, so beautiful. Oh. Mm. <sighs> so with your clients, do you typically see just women or do you see couples? And how does that work? Yeah, I, I started out only coaching women. And I have just opened up my beta marriage program. That's and, awesome. Yes. And it's going well and called beta because it's my first time running it this way. But, you know, it it just so happened that as I was coaching women from time to time, their husband would hop on like, look, we're having these issues. Like, you know, figure this out for us. And, and I just got, you know, to realizing that there is absolutely a lot of space for a woman to learn to support herself. But you know, you can go a million times farther when both partners are willing to work together. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say, you know, the thing that I had to really realize going through it all was that my happiness was up to me. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, when I put that out into the world, I, I get this message that we know that we know that our happiness is up to us. And yet, 
Like when he's unhappy, I'm unhappy. When he's not doing what he said he would, I'm unhappy. When he's whatever, you know, making the crazy choices that my husband was making, like my life was frigging destroyed. Obviously, my happiness depended on him. Right, right. So I had to really get to the point where I, regardless of what my husband chose, I was choosing to live a thriving life mm. because I believed I was worthy of a thriving life. And that's just a choice. That's a choice that we have to make every day. Mm -hmm. So there is so much beauty in just a woman choosing that for herself. Oh, yeah. But, and when a husband can make the same choice for himself, it's frigging amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some power, real power couples that can mm -hmm. go and uh, change the world. And that's mm. what I want to see. Yeah. That is so amazing. Thanks. I love that you're doing this work in the world. Thank you. You're welcome. And you get sleep, which is amazing. <laughs> I do. Four kiddos and, you know, oh gosh, it's so beautiful. The thing is, is, you know, at that stage when, when everything hit, you know, like I said, I cried on my bathroom floor for six months. I yeah. believed I was so incapable of doing anything in my life. And then that journey brought me to this place where I have four kids. I'm running a business from home and, you know, and I'm crushing it all. And I love my life. I love my relationships. I love being a mother. It's not to say everything is perfect because I let go of that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a huge thing. It's such a huge thing. We have, I read this book a few months ago called, I'm going to blank on it. The Queen's Code. Oh yes. I love, yeah. I love that book. And, and that whole premise of, we hold ourselves to this ideal that we can't possibly make. And then we hold men up to the ideal that we can't make. And then we're treating them like hairy women. And, mm -hmm. and it's like, I can't, like, I, things that bring me joy don't match that perfection. So what's more important to me, the joy or the preconceived notion of perception that's, that's in my head? that nobody's put on me that I perceive as what I'm supposed to be. And I don't really care about being perfect anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, yeah. A, that's pretty damn liberating. Yeah. And I had to love myself out of that. And that's what I do. Um, if I could give a tool to our listeners, it would be to a self-compassion piece where when you you, you know, you're listening to this, if you're still listening, then you are engaged in this, this topic, like this is resonating with you and you're feeling a stirring. And it's like, now how, how do I live a more intentional or values-based life? How do I create the relationships I want? How do I actually let go of perfectionism, some of those things? And, and the whole reason why we do any of the things that we do again is survival. We do it because we thought that was the only way we could survive. And so I place my hand on my heart when I find myself running around again, like a crazy chicken with my head cut off. This just happened two Thursdays ago. I'm trying to plan my kid's birthday party. It was a three in one birthday party. And I was like, okay, we're knocking them out and like epic. Cause I don't have to throw three parties. I'm throwing one, but it's gotta be a great party. And you should have seen me, you know, I'm making the cake and whatever. It was on and on. At some point, the whole house was fighting and I'm, wait a second, I'm doing this again. 
And so I pause and I put my hand on my heart and I say, I talk to myself, I talk to my inner child and I say, Melissa, you are such a warrior and you know how to make things amazing. You know how to survive. You know how to put on your war paint and do amazing things. And that's why we are where we are. You have survived all this time, but we have found a new way and this old way doesn't serve us anymore. So let's do this together. Let's play our way through this. Let's get reconnected to the things that are most important to us. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking to myself, I call myself us and we, but it's okay. okay. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. And so, and so again, it's, if you were writing this down, it's that that is a beautiful way that we learn to survive, but it no longer serves me anymore. I have a new way. Mm. That is, that is the line. I probably said that to myself a couple hundred times. Mm. Just love myself out of the old ways. Because mm -hmm. they weren't bad either. Right. They were just what we knew. Exactly. Especially when you start to think of, you know, the little children that you know, making mm -hmm. those kinds of decisions. For me, mm -hmm. it, was, it was always like, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I have to try really hard to show people that I am good enough, that I have the right to exist and belong and experience love and joy. Like I have to prove all of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would never go to a kid who believed all those things and say like, that's so stupid or you know, whatever, <laughs> like knock it off. You don't need to do that or whatever. <laughs> no, like, I would say, I would give them love. And so that's yeah. I just, I just give myself love through it. Mm. Mm. So beautiful. Yeah. And having the patterns, they come back all the time. Oh yeah. And having the awareness to catch yourself in it is such a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Mm. Melissa, thank you so, so much. I'm so honored that you chose to be on this show. Thank you, Erica. I am so honored that you allowed me to be on this show. Thank you. You're so welcome. I'm so excited to share this beautiful conversation with my listeners and your, your clients and anyone else you think may benefit from this. Yeah, me too. The action item of the week is to give yourself some time to sit with yourself without distractions. Feel what's going on. Be fully present to how you feel, and then let yourself feel it fully. That's what I got for you this week. Until next week, I bid you peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go.